As um, Matt said, I am Ken. <laughs> I've been a member of the church for a while, and um, I'm going to bring God's word to us today. We're going to be continuing the series that we've been doing, which is from the book of Isaiah, um, and it's light or darkness, and it's your move. Um, and I don't know about most of you, but I'm enjoying this series, but, you know, so far, some parts of the series has been pretty heavy. Um, Dave was very heavy last week, actually. Um, so following up from, from Dave, I kind of felt a little bit like, oh, what, peop what, are pe what people's expectations going to be like um, when I come up here? Um, so let's go straight into the word. Uh, so we're going to be reading Isaiah 2, um, and I'll be reading from verses 1 to 5. So Isaiah chapter 2, and I'll just read verses 1 to 5. And just to make it very challenging, I thought, I'll just leave my glasses at home. Because, <laughs> you know, don't want to make it too easy. Right, so this is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we will walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So I read this a few times in preparation, and I was just trying to work out from reading through this, what is Isaiah actually describing here? Um, he kind of starts the whole thing with, in the last days. He says, in the last days. So when are these last days? Um, and from reading, it is clear that obviously he's not talking about his current time. He's not talking about in these days, as it were. He's talking about in these last days. So this seems to be some kind of call to anticipate something. It's a call to look for something that's not now, to look for something that wasn't happening at the time. So again, I started to ask, what is Isaiah describing? What would his original audience have thought he was referring to? And in my mind, he kept going, what is Isaiah talking about in these verses? And in, in, in reading through that, I started to think of how, you know, God's word can be a little bit like an optical illusion, right? And I will explain. I got my props today. <laughs> That's a picture of a princess, right? But actually, is it just a picture of a princess? 
you must have you seen this before right so <laughs> when you turn it around ooh, why is it not big ooh reveal people come on ooh, it's not just a princess it's also an old lady no i'm not talking about you tina you're only a princess to me But God's word is like that. It can be um, a bit of an optical illusion. So what tends to happen is there is a obvious or surface view that you can get from um, God's word, um, or the, in this case, from the picture. Um, but what happens is if you change your angle or change your perspective or look a little deeper or focus in a different way, it is possible sometimes to see a different picture. And I believe that's also the case with our passage today. I think that if you look beyond the surface of what is being said here, you would see that beyond describing the temple in Jerusalem, Isaiah is actually talking about something else. So what is it? What is Isaiah describing? As I said, we've had sort of... Um, a lot of the, I guess, dar darker, deeper um, sermons. So my sermon today is going to be a bit on the lighter side, just so that you can all start to relax, because I can see some faces again a little bit like, oh, my God, where are we going with this? What's going to happen now? So relax. It's going to be lovely. We're going to have fun. It's going to be good. So what is Isaiah talking about? So I think... Isaiah is talking about something that I love, something that I love to talk about, something I love to be part of, something I love to do, and I'm going to do my big reveal now. Stop looking at me weird, Tina. <laughs> Christmas. I think Isaiah was describing Christmas in those verses. As I said, that's amazing for me because I just love Christmas. And I have, obviously by my attire, also crowned myself unofficially as the king of Christmas at Jubilee. Because I do not believe that anyone else loves Christmas as much as I do. And if any of you feel that you want to challenge me for that crown, you will have an opportunity because we would, I, would, I would offer you a quiz. Now, it's only going to be three questions in this quiz because it's, you know, you know how when you go to Mastermind, it's like this is your favorite topic, right? So it's going to be really deep stuff about Christmas that only people who really love Christmas can actually answer. So whilst I fish out my crown, who's going to challenge me? Who loves Christmas more than me, huh? Especially me. As you can tell, it fits my head perfectly. Any takers? Anyone brave enough? Who's going to challenge me for my crown? Who's going to answer my three questions? Get them all right, and then you can become...
king of Christmas. Okay, we can share. Right, let's, you know, let's <laughs> we, can make, we can crown other Christmas uh, kings and queens. Come on, anybody? No? All right, I, mean, I, think, I think you guys want to sample the questions, right? That's what it is, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's good. There's going to be a little bit of that. Okay, so I think Dave will know the answer to this one. So the first question is, how many times is the word Christmas sung in my and Dave's favorite Christmas song, I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day? Because <laughs> Dave loves that Christmas. <laughs> I know, you said it was the worst, wasn't it? Anybody? Any takers? Not even a guess? Wrong. <laughs> You're so wrong. <laughs> Twelve. Ooh, that's a good idea. Ten, fifteen. No, the answer is three, actually. <laughs> In the official lyrics, there's only three times. <laughs> but it's actually mentioned today. I think my crown is looking very safe on my head right now, isn't it? All right. I'll give you a second question. How many sleeps till Christmas? This is easy, right? Yeah. If you're a Christmas lover, you must know how many sleeps it is till Christmas. No? Is it too early? What? Very, very close. Very good. You might be a contender. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want to wear the hat. <laughs> Anyone else? It's not 320. It's a little bit more. Huh? 332. Well done. That was quite close. Well done, Mike. I think that's it. I think my, my hat is safe. And the last one was, who, what's the name of the emperor at the time of Jesus' birth? You should know that one. What's the name of the emperor at the time of Jesus' birth? Anybody? Well done. Caesar Augustus. There you go. Now, of course, I cheated because I, you know, Google must please. So. <laughs> I knew my crown was going to be safe, but it's, import it's important to give you guys the opportunity to take the crown off me if you can. But, you know, there we go. Until, until the next year, I guess. So, yeah, Christmas. Who loves Christmas? What do you love about Christmas? What do I love about Christmas? I love food. I love the food. It's a lovely time to celebrate. Lovely food. I do tend to change it up quite a bit because, um, yeah, I get a bit tired of eating turkey all the time. So we've had all sorts in my house. We've had duck. We've had goose. We've had, I can't even think of what we haven't had, chicken, all sorts. So I love the food. What else do we love about Christmas? Anybody? Family. Yes, indeed, family. Christmas is about family. We as a family, as we count down through the 332 days that are left, <laughs> we keep anticipating the Christmas coming soon. What else? There we go. Presents. Good man. You see, you teed me up there. Amazing. That was exactly where I wanted us to go. Presents. We all love presents. I love presents. Anything else? Yeah, watching the kids enjoying themselves, yeah. It, it's kind of a little bit of a kid in you that comes out when you can see all the other kids um, looking forward to Christmas time. Yep, I love Christmas. That's what I mean. Okay, so 
here in this passage, I think Isaiah is, is saying that in these last days that they were anticipating, we, we kind of get an indication of what, from, from saying that, we kind of get an indication of what the audience as well would have been thinking at this time when he's talking about these last days. It's an anticipation of something that is, you know, that they, they know is going to be exciting and they know it's going to be interesting and they know it's something that they're looking forward to just in the same way as I look forward to Christmas, as I look forward um, to that time. But what is Christmas, right? You might be asking, what is it? You know, what's this Christmas about, right? And when I was in school, I kind of learned that when you're going to describe something, you have to kind of define it, right? And when you define it, it could be like in, in the case of something that's it's a, a verb or a noun or whatever it might be. And so a noun is usually a word that is used to identify either a person, a place, or a thing. So I was thinking, is you know, Christmas a noun? Can we, you know, define Christmas or describe Christmas um, as a noun? So then I wondered if Christmas is a noun, would it be described as a thing? Right? So if it's a noun, you can describe it as a thing. Well, I guess for a lot of people, um, Christmas, as I said, can be described as a thing because it's about things, right? So the answer would be a resounding yes, Christmas is about things. And we spoke already about something which would be a present. So for a lot of um, people, especially the kids, <laughs> Christmas is about presents, right? I remember in my house, everyone was just waiting, anticipating the opportunity to be able to open their presents. And that's usually why we wrap them, so that they don't, you know, know what's coming. They're anticipating something's coming, but they don't know what it is. Um, and, you know, the, the thing about that is we then decided that we were going to give them just so they can calm down and we can, you know, get on with all the preparations that's required for Christmas. We're going to allow the kids to open one present on the 24th, right? So now the anticipation is not just for... Christmas Day, but it's even for Christmas Eve, because you want to open a present before Christmas Day. And in our house, we study that present, you know, because you're going to choose just one to open on, you know, Christmas Eve. So you're going to study it, and you look at, that looks nice and big, but what could be in it, you know, that kind of thing. Because sometimes smaller presents have bigger values in there. So should I go for the big one, or should I go for the tiny one? You know, or they have like little study the shape of it, does that look like something that I would really like to have? Um, and then finally, eventually, they get to open their present. The first present before Christmas, after making that choice, they make a choice, they open up the presents. And then you just, I just watch their face, right? So you're just watching their face, and then you either get one or two reactions, right? You're going to get that, either that reaction of, Oh my God, yes, thank you, Daddy, thank you, Mommy, which is what we're all looking for, right? Um, and everything. Or you get the other reaction of, oh, thank you, Daddy, thank you, Mommy. <sighs> thank God I have more presents to open tomorrow, that kind of thing, right? You, 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 know, you never really know which way it's going to go, but it's going to go one way or the other, that's for sure. Um, and so when we look at the whole idea of Christmas, it's possible sometimes to describe Christmas and just to describe it through things, describe it as a thing, okay? But what else could it be? 
could we describe Christmas and talk about it as a place? Can Christmas actually be described as a place? Well, we mostly celebrate Christmas in a place, right? For most of us, we celebrate at home, at our home, or in somebody's home, or in a home of some description. Um, and that's the case in, in our home as well. Um, we celebrate Christmas at home. But there's something about the occasion that means that we don't just, like, celebrate in our home just like that, right? We turn our home into something slightly different, right? So because it's a special occasion, we take time out to actually decorate our homes. Um, and in our case, we have the tree, and we put all the ornaments on the tree, and we have the lights outside. This, this, we had a bit of a, a situation this year with the lights outside. Couldn't, couldn't find the right battery, but we ended up finding them, so it's all good. So you, you brighten up the outside of the house, and you brighten up the inside of the house. And we, we normally set our table as well, um, and we bring out the, the good china, the good plates, and we eat out of the good plates, and making a whole occasion um, out of it. We make a huge occasion of something that actually, ordinarily, we, we have all the time, right? We're always in our home normally. Um, but on this particular occasion, we try to transform what is ordinary into something that is extraordinary. We, we make our environment different. Um, and it's really, in reality, kind of starts with us. It starts with us having sort of a sense of anticipation, a sense of mystery, a desire to create an environment of peace and joy and gratitude. Um, and that reminded me of you know, one of the ad adverts over the, the Christmas period. Um, and, you know, it was the, the shelter advert. Uh, and it was this little girl, and, she, you know, she heard that if she was really, really good, that she can get whatever she wanted for Christmas, you know. So she started to do all the good things, let, you know, let others through the door um, before she went through, you know. And when she was at school, they say, you know, no running the hall. So, you know, make sure no running, you know, do everything. Um, that was needed because all she really, really, really wanted for Christmas was a home. Um, uh, I did say this was going to be very nice and bright, right? <laughs> and unfortunately, and I mean, because it's an advert for shelter, uh, she did not get a home for Christmas. Uh, but it was just to highlight how you know we're not all in the same position, right? So not everybody has a nice home. Um, for Christmas on Christmas Day. Um, but it just made it, you know, come home to me even stronger how important it is to actually have, uh, you know, what we have uh, for Christmas, so to have a home uh, for Christmas. So, yes, we could describe our home or, the you know, where we cel normally celebrate Christmas as a way of describing to somebody else or explaining to somebody else what does Christmas mean? What is this Christmas thing we're talking about? And then the last bit is we could also describe Christmas as a person. And I guess if I was to go on the streets and to ask for a description of someone, a person who represents what the season is all about and embodies what the reason is for the season, 
going to go on the streets to ask that. I think most people will declare very loudly, of course, that it would be Santa Claus. <laughs> I saw you there. <laughs> I got you, didn't I? <laughs> most people say Santa Claus, maybe. Right? In fact, in, the, in a Coca-Cola ad, we were all being asked to be Santas to each other, right? To do a little bit of kindness to each other as a way of being a Santa during Christmas period. But, of course, as Christians, we know that there's someone else who embodies the reason for this season. There's someone else who we know is a person that we can use to describe the reason for Christmas. And now Mike can say... <laughs> yeah, we should practice that one, I think. <laughs> yes, so, of course, we, we would say Jesus. <laughs> Not the elf on the shelf. Um, so, yeah, so whether you're Christian or you're non-Christian, there does seem to be, like, a personal embodiment or a person that embodies um, what Christmas as a season should actually look like, right? So, looking back at the passage that we've just read, I'm trying to work out now, can we see Christmas in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5? So, I'll read it again, and it's, uh, I'll start from chapter 2. It says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord, from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So it's interesting to see from the passage then that he's talking about the temple, right? He's talking about the temple being established, right? And that's what, I guess, most of um, Isaiah's audience at the time would have been picturing, right? They would have been picturing when the temple was built by Solomon, this big, massive, wonderful thing. Um, and when it was unveiled, and, you know, the, the very presence of God just comes into the temple and seeps all the way through and I guess for us, that's sort of what Christmas is like, right? So the temple in all its splendor was, was what people recognized as what God's house looked like. And that's what really, from those verses, Isaiah is describing. God's house is actually like a present, that is being revealed to the world. Now, it's obviously a lot bigger than this, but it's actually a present. 
it's not a small token present. It's actually an embodiment of an anticipated present, right? So I, 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 I normally describe it as, you know, when you, you, you have Christmas time and you have all the presents underneath the, the Christmas tree, and then you notice, oh, hang on, my, my name's not on here. I can't find any presents for myself. And you're looking all the way through and you can't find anything. I'm like, oh, no, that's not going to be that great of Christmas, is it? And then Christmas Day comes along and, you know, your parents are like, oh, yeah, we, we got your presents. And I'm like, okay, okay, can't find it anywhere. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we did get your presents. Oh, cool, where is the present? It's outside. <gasps> and I'm like, yes, <laughs> right? It's too big to leave under the tree. It's a, it's a huge present. It's a massive present. It's the one that they know you're going to like this present because, you know, they would have read all the signs and worked out how to do this and they would have kept it hidden to make sure that you don't find out until the time of the reveal, the time when they want you to see, right? And so that was how it kind of was with um, with the temple. It was a time where God's home was being almost revealed to, to his people and they were being welcomed into it. So it was a place where they longed to go to. It was a place of celebration. It wasn't an ordinary place, but it was a place where there's a sense of, of mystery, a place where there's an environment that makes you feel that you are at home, that makes you feel that you belong. That's the description that Isaiah was bringing up of God's house. That's the description that we understand when we think about Christmas, right? You welcome people to this environment that you've created. And the environment is created for one purpose, is to make them feel at home, is to make them feel welcome, is to make them in a mood to celebrate, right? So Isaiah says, the temple is now on God's mountain. God's mountain has been exalted above all the other mountains. The thing is, if we were to describe um, God's house as a thing, you know, I, I still, you know, I think um, in the Bible when it was talking about, you know, prior to having the temple, God's house was a tent, really. And so it was just a thing that they carried around as they went from one place to the other, right? Well, actually, th there was something special about this particular thing that meant that not everybody was even allowed to carry it. Not everybody was even allowed to move it from one place to the other. So much so that, you know, people were w scared to approach it, scared to, to touch it, because touching it could actually be the last thing that you actually do, Right? because it was such a reverent thing, even when it was a thing, right? Um, and so when it even when it became a, a place, when it became God's home, you also could not just go into it. There were several courts that you could approach. There was the outer court, and then there was the inner court, and not everybody had the opportunity to go into the innermost parts of God's house in those days. So I was thinking 
about that and I thought, well, okay, so yes, you can destroy God's house as a thing. You can destroy God's house and talk about this, you know, this um, place and this house and you know, this temple in, in, in Jerusalem. But what about God's house being described as a person? Okay. Is that worth it? You see, I started, you know, God started reminding me of what it was like when we were trying to do Christmas but this time we're trying to do Christmas during COVID. I don't know if you can cast your mind back to that, but for us as a family, there was something missing about Christmas in, in COVID times, right? Can't put your finger on it because we still had a house. We still decorated the house. We had lights on the outside, lights on the inside, um, and all of that. But there was still something just not the same. There was still something just not right about it. And that's because in reality, when we, we think about um, Christmas, we don't just associate, as I said, a place, but we associate almost like a, a, an atmosphere, and a, a season to it. Um, and it's an, you know, an atmosphere of, of being able to be grateful, but it's also an atmosphere of being able to celebrate with people. You know? And you know, the, the family was missing. You know? And that didn't make it feel the same, right? Um, there were still presents under the, 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 the tree, but the anticipation was not the same. There, there was just a difference in focus, a difference in how we viewed what was actually the same thing. And so in a way, that's you know how God's word works as well. There is that du almost duality to it, where it's almost like light or darkness you choose because you choose the focus you choose where you want to put your expectation right and so for me with what isaiah was describing um i was reminded as well of you know jesus invitation and jesus invitation in in, in matthew 11 was you know 28 it says come to me all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I think that's sort of how it felt, right? When it was the COVID Christmas, because you still felt burdened. There wasn't that peace in Christmas then. You still kind of felt a bit weary of being confined to your homes and being confined in your ability to express yourself, you know? I always used to say to the kids, I kind of felt like, I know what it must be like in prison now, because you only get like that one walk per, <laughs> per day in, the, in those days, when that's the one time you're allowed to like walk around and, you know, see everything and feel everything and experience everything, but you have to do it on your own or at the most with your cellmates. <laughs> right? So it wasn't really... <laughs> The same. Oh, sorry. Of course, I enjoyed every single step of our walks together, my love. <laughs> well, there was there was just something not the same um, about about it. And so, for me, Isaiah is encouraging his audience, just as I'm encouraging you today. And Isaiah said, "A day is coming." And he says, in that day, 
Isaiah says, in that day, the Lord's mountain will be exalted as the highest mountain. And sometimes I kind of get that because when I, you know, when I'm going to, when I go to work and when I interact with society as a whole, I kind of seem to feel a little bit like the Lord's temple is being covered. You know, it's being pulled down, it's being diminished a little bit. And there are other mountains around it that seem to be being elevated, right? But I want to elevate the Lord's mountain again, you know? I kind of feel a little bit like I was reminded of the story in, in, in Exodus when the people were finally released out of Egypt and they, they went to the mountain, they went to God's mountain, right? But it was interesting that they went to God's mountain and God was like really wanting to meet with his people. So much so that he came down, right? But when God came down, his people were like, no, 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 we can't handle this. We can't handle this. Moses, you go and see him on your own. We can't handle this. And I kind of felt a little bit like, that's how I felt. It was like, God felt a little bit like, oh, they don't want me. You know? They chased him back into his mountain, basically. But that's not what he, that's not what he wants. What he wants it's Solomon's temple. But they're inviting God. They're saying, hey, come. We've made a home for you. We want to meet with you here. We're desiring you. We want to see you elevated again. We want to see you as our number one priority. Beyond all the other mountains, beyond all the other things, we want to elevate you. We want to see Jesus lifted up. We want to see a banner across. And he says, he will judge the nations and will settle disputes so that their swords will be beaten into plowshares and their spears will become pruning hooks. He will bring peace. He will end all those disputes. He will end all those problems. Right? And so, like the song says, I, I, I wish it could be Christmas every day. I actually do wish that we could interact with God every day. I do wish that we could lift him up. I do wish we could have his presence with us every single day. That's what Isaiah was saying to his audience. I love the fact that, you know, part of this description was also that invitation. Come, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And, you know, one of my um, favorite invitations in the psalm is where it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so my question really is, when we come together, you know, we have to remember that God has actually decided now that he doesn't need a temple in Jerusalem to live in anymore. He wants to live with us. He wants to live in us. And so we have become like the bricks of this new temple. When we come together, we're building that home for him to come into. And so I'm, I'm encouraging us that when we come together, we should actually change our perspective. We should actually understand that we're coming together to become God's temple that is lifted up as the highest of the mountains. We're coming together to experience God's presence 
And we need to be anticipating that he is also coming down to meet with us. We need to be anticipating that where he is, there will be peace. Where he is, there will be liberty. Where he is, we will be able to experience the goodness of God. You know, when Moses was on top of the mountain, he said, hey, God, I really want to see your face. I want to know you. I want to really interact with you. He said, you know, can you just walk past and let me see what you're like? And God said, oh, yeah, no problem. You stand over there, and I'll walk past. But what I'll walk, when I walk past, what you're going to see is you're going to see all the goodness, all the good things that I've ever done. And that's how God is. He brings good things as we walk past. He brings goodness into our life. And that goodness can be expressed in peace. That goodness can be expressed in, you know, freedom. You know, I don't have that weariness that I would have if I'm at work or if I'm having, you know, these issues elsewhere. Well, you know, when I come to meet with God, those issues, they're no longer the big mountains because the mountain of God is the, is the mountain that's elevated. So they're, they're no longer big mountains around me. They're just tiny little things that I can look down on from having this wonderful, awesome experience and relationship with my father, with God. And that's what he's calling us to. That's what he's saying to us today. That's what he's reminding us of today. Because the reality is because of what Christ did thousands of years ago, that's the truth. That is now my truth. That is now our reality. You know? That we don't have a God that we need to be scared to come into his presence. Or we need to be worried about touching. Or we need to be worried about experiencing. But actually, it's the opposite. We've got an open invitation. You know, it was interesting that the, the, the curtain or the veil on on the temple tore in two, but it tore from the top, right? So God has released himself <laughs> from this building that was holding him, right? Because he wants to be with us. He wants to allow us to experience him. Now, <clears throat> I have to start off by saying, unfortunately, I have a little bit of a croak in my voice. So I was going to sing. Um, nice to mind, actually. But if it doesn't come across as I intended, I apologize in advance, okay, <laughs> because my throat is a bit dry. But was, there was a song that it reminded me of, and it's a song that was actually penned during 9-11, so during a pretty dark time in, you know, um, in, in society at that time. But it was just, it's a reminder, and it goes, God is here, so let the bro." hearted rejoice God is here so let the sick say I am well God is here so let the weak say I am strong because God is here his wonders to perform. And that's what I'm reminding us all of today, that God is here. So let the broken hearted rejoice. 
Lift up your head, God is here. So let the sick say, I am well. God is here. So let the weak say, I am strong. God is here. His wonders to perform. Amen.